Hey, y'all got time for one quick dream that I had last night. Y'all, we love dreams, right? This is a powerful dream. And the reason I want to share it is about you, the church. Well, here's what the dream was. Uh, y'all know what a drag race is, don't you? You know what a top fuel dragster is? Uh, so we were, at, we were at the drag race. I was at the drag race, okay? And you don't want to top Who said that? You know, it's, one, it's a rail. It's a car with a motor and a cockpit and a little, little bit of steering wheel. And they sort of launch it. They go 300-something miles an hour, like 350, you know, in a quarter of a mile. That's pretty quick. Okay, so we were at this drag race, and we had a car. It was a rail. And it was sort of odd because the, here's, here's, here's the way the deal went. Uh, we would bring the car up to this place, and I would be alone with the car, okay, uh, for, for a bit of time. And then we would, I would go from being alone with the car to fellowshipping with other Christians, it would be like we'd have a meal, and then it would be time to go race the car. And this place we were located was at the end of the track. It was down at the finish line, after the, you know, where the race is finished, okay? And, we'd take, and I would take the car, and I'd bring the car up the track, uh, going the other way to get to the start, starting line, starting gate. Uh, and, and, I, and what I was doing is I was trying to fill the track, to feel what the track was like, to know how to set the car up to race the car. So I'd bring the, the car up, and sometimes I would uh, do a burnout where they you know, get the tires hot. Uh, and then I'd get out of the car and let somebody else take the car and race it. Um, and some, or sometimes I would race it. And then sometimes I would get somebody else to do a burnout, and I would watch the tires on the car because I could tell exactly what the car was doing by watching the tires, and then I would adjust the car for the race. Y'all, y'all following all that? This is, I think they actually do stuff like that. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, uh, let me tell you a couple of things about the car. The car was, was not the most beautiful car out there. Okay. It did not have decals. It wasn't painted candy apple red. The car had, the rims were, were yellow, yellowish colored rims. And the car itself was cream colored. Okay, so this is what the Lord showed me about it. Number one, he said the, the, the rims were 1 Peter 1.7. Okay, that's what he told me. This, let me read 1 Peter 1.7 to you. This is just really important. Okay, because this, we've, we've ha- this is what's happened to us. Yeah. 1 Peter 1.7 says this. It says, uh, it talks about being tested. And he, it says that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. That was the wheels. Okay which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I feel like the Lord said, that's what you've gone through here in this church. This church has gone through, a, you know, last year a severe time of testing, severe fire. And we got those wheels out of that fire. Okay? The, the motor, the engine and the drivetrain on the car, you know, the engine, the, drive, the thing that puts the power to the wheels, was the Holy Spirit. Okay, and it was a big old engine. It sort of it sat behind me. Okay, the car was cream colored, and cream represents healing. Okay, that's what the color of cream is. It's biblically, cream is healing, and that's really what the Lord's really called our our church to do is be a healing church. Uh, and uh, and and the key is is it started at the end. We were at the end. Is we have to start. The race is already finished. We already have the victory in Christ. Okay, that's why we were located at the end. The part where I was by myself, that speaks of our personal communion with the Lord. Okay, that's where you start in your, in your Christian 
in your walk with God. And what God wants to do is you, there's a time, it's, it's, and it's always, it's always going to be this over and over. We did it over and over and over. Every race, we, we, we went through the same thing. Being alone with the Lord, but, but that wasn't all. See, the fellowship of the saints. You know, we were breaking bread together. We were eating together. There's this fellowship. There's this communion with other Christians that God's looking for in people. Okay, He's calling us, calling us to come out of our secret place, have your, to have our secret place, but come out of that and have something with other believers. And then there's a call to the race. Okay? And so, so one of the things that I was doing in the car is I kept, you know, like a, I said, I think I said to you, sometimes I would race it, sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I would do the burnout, sometimes I'd stick another person in there, and I would adjust the car and tell them this is what to do to win the race. And we had race after race. We kept going through this whole thing over and over and over, this whole cycle, over and over and over. Fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship with others. Take the car down the track. Get a feel for what the track was doing. Feel what the car wants to do. Adjust the car. Race it myself or let somebody else race it. All this went on. But then there came a strategic day, okay? And I believe that's where the Lord's calling us into this strategic day. And it was the most intense day because the devil had his best and fastest car and his best and fastest driver, okay? That we were going to have this one big race, okay? And so we went through this little thing, fellowship with the Lord, fellowship with each other. Then it was time to take the car onto the track. And I pulled the car out of that place and pulled it down to the track and it was intense i mean it was the most intense thing you could see the atmosphere and i looked up in the stands and the stands were were packed beyond measure but they weren't packed with regular people it was the great cloud of witnesses that were there because i could i looked down and i realized these are not people these are heavenly these are people from heaven because of the colors of their clothes the color of them was like a not a real not an earthly color it was beautiful and that's the third time I've seen that uh, great cloud of witnesses since I've been in Mooresville. When I first came here, I saw them. There were only a few people in the stands. And then a few years later, I saw a few more. That's why we have that. That's what that is. I got Ann painted us the great cloud of witnesses. But this time, it was packed. It was packed beyond measure. And it was like the most intense moment ever. And I, as I was pulling the car down, I, I looked, I knew, uh, the atmosphere, the, car, the track was really slick. And I thought, man, this is treacherous. This is going to be a treacherous day on this track. And I pulled the car down, and there was only one person in the dream that I recognized. It was Donna Culler. And when I pulled around, she looked at me, and she said, We've been waiting on you. Okay? And I knew at that moment, I've got to, I've got to race this. I've got to do this. I've got to race this guy. Now, this car was really fast. Okay? I mean, it was real fast. It had not lost any race. Okay? But the thing is, you had to... That, that's what I knew in the dream. I knew you had to, the car, you had, to be, you had to be connected with the car. You had to be in unity with the car. You had to understand what the car wanted, okay? That's why I would go and, and want to run it up the track to feel the track and feel what the car wanted to do on the track. And I knew, in, in, and I knew the adjustments to know, know if the car was going to be able to hold on to the track or not uh, because the car had so much power. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what God's calling us to he called us to that big race that day, okay? And then, then I woke up. And that's where we're at. You know, there's a big race. It's the ultimate race. Now, I, we've already won that race, though. See, I didn't have to race that. In, in, you know, I didn't need to see that race because we've already won that race in Christ. If, if 
we will get in that car when we're when it's our turn to drive the car, and we would do what you know what we're supposed to do. You know, the car's been set up. Somebody set it up for us. If we'll have that communion, that personal place with the Lord, if we will have that fellowship with one another, okay. Then when you pull on the track, you know what you you know what to do. And it's an important race because all of heaven is there to watch the race. Amen. All of heaven is there to watch the race. Okay, so we don't have the bit, and, and, and so the car is the church. It's this church. That, that top fuel dragster is this church. Okay, we don't have the most beautiful car. Okay, the rims are not beautiful, but we, those rims are costly rims. We paid a huge price to have those rims on that, on that car. And we've got a, there's a big, that car is powerful. It has got a motor on it that is incredible. That's why you had to be very careful with it, because the car could actually overpower you know, and just, you know, lots of times they'll just overpower and, and won't be able to break, even get off the finish line. They'll break, it'll, it'll break trying to get off the finish line. So let's just ask the Lord right now to help us. Are you, did y'all get that dream? Y'all understand that? This is an important dream, I think. Oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord, that you're speaking to us this morning. Lord, you've not given us the best-looking car in town, for sure. Lord, in fact, it was sort of plain-looking and nothing really to be attracted to. But, Lord, you have given us one fast car. You've given us a fast car, and you've given us a car that's got healing on it. You've given us a car that's gone through the fire and suffered, Lord, but it's got through it. And, Lord, I pray we'd be sensitive. I pray we would realize that what we're doing is important to heaven, Lord, and we're going to win that race. We're going to beat the devil. In fact, we've already defeated the devil. Amen? You know, one thing about it, I had a lot of confidence in that car. I, you know, what he just said in the dream, I was not worried about Losing that race. I mean, I think it was more of an encouragement when the Don said about, you know, been waiting on you, you know, like, just get with it, you know, drive that car down there, let's put it, let's put it down and win that race. So I think it's time. And then uh, the reason I want to share is uh, Sherry had a dream, and, and the, she didn't know what the dream was, but she just said, you know, you can do it, you know, you can get the job done, you know, that was her dream. So it's time to get the job done. Amen. All righty, I want to talk to you. Okay, is everybody good? Man, I didn't use it all the time. <laughs> Talking about that dream. All right, here's it is. I've talked to you all for the last... This is, I've been talking to you the last two weeks about what? Does anybody remember? About the mind, okay? I've been talking and I talked to you about opinions. Remember that? Your old ugly opinions, your old dirty opinions that keep you out, okay? And then last week I talked about attitude. Attitude determines altitude. If you're going to go up in the spirit realm, you've got to have, you've got to have an attitude. An attitude that Christ provides. You've got to have an opinion that Christ provides. The day I want to talk to you, real quick, I'm going to have to go fly. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to get in that top fuel dragster, man, and go 350 miles an hour to do this in 17 minutes or 12. Well, actually, somebody's going to mess that clock up, man. They fixed it. All right, this is what it is. I want to talk to you about something. I don't want to mess with you. I want to talk to you about, I want to redeem something called imagination. Okay? Because if, I, I can tell you, I can prove this over, I can prove it all over the Bible. Imagine, our imagination is very important biblically. Okay? It's really key biblically. If you remember, stop looking at the clock. Uh, okay, I don't know if somebody said stop looking at that clock. <laughs> I can prove to you, biblically, your brain, well, your mind is, this is a review, your mind is basically made up of three parts, okay, from a biblical perspective. Number one, it's made up of your intellect. Number two, it's made up of your emotions. And number three, it's made up of your imagination. 
So if you are an intellectual person, if you approach your Christian life just intellectually, you are a one-third Christian. Okay? Just like if you're just an emotional person. Now, your whole Christianity is based on feelings and how you feel and how this is. You're a one-third Christian. Okay, I don't think a whole lot of people here are, I've got to worry about the imagination, Christian. We need to be full. We need to have all three of those things on board. However, in the, there's an order. There's a spiritual order. And the thing in us, you see, somewhere inside of our, ourselves, there has to be a connection point to the Spirit inside of us. Right? It don't just, it, it's like a doorway. There has to be a doorway, the connector point. And I believe, and I believe I can show it to you. I know I can in the Bible. The connector point between the spirit, your spirit, where the Holy Spirit lives and the spiritual world is inside of you, and your soul is your imagination. Okay? That's the point. That's the connector point where, where the spiritual world comes into our lives. So, it's, so that makes the imagination real important right there. Are y'all good? Somebody told me I said that too much, but it's a bad habit. So I'm not going to say it too much today because I only got ten minutes. So anyway... I can only say that in 10 minutes. I can say it a bunch of times, actually, in 10 minutes, about 40 times. Uh, let me read Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. Let me fly, okay? Uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Notice what it's saying. Now, here's why the mind is so key and so important for us. It determines your walk. Your spiritual life is determined by the state of your mind. Okay, your spiritual life, your walk with God is, de- is, is determined by the state of your mind. In, in this case, these people's minds were futile. They had minds without purpose. They had minds without goals. They had minds without God, and they were walking their life out based on that. Okay, then it says in verse 18, having their understanding darkened. Understand, that word for understanding there, the Greek word is dianoia. That Greek word is our imagination. That's what he's talking about there. Their imagination, the imagination of man has been darkened. The mankind, our imagination has been darkened. Okay? Therefore, we walk in a futile life. We have a futile life as unbelievers. Okay? Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. See, See, that's really what cuts us off from God is when that part of our mind, it's dark. We are cut off from God. We're alienated from God. We, we don't have that connection with God who's a spirit. Okay? Uh, being alienated with life because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness. Everybody say blindness. Blindness of their heart. You see, that's, you see there's this connection here. That's where the mind, see, I'm going to show you in just a second. That's how the mind and the heart. I always wondered about this mind and heart thing. What's the difference? What's the separation? What's the connection? The connection is, I'm going to show you just briefly, is, the, is, is this is the connection. It's your imagination is what connects you, your heart, with your mind. Really cool, honestly. All right, so, uh, are we all right? Uh, let me give you some, some little things on imagination, okay? Imagination is the ability, here's a definition, the ability to form mental images of something that is not perceived through our five natural senses. Okay? It's the ability of the mind to build mental scenes, objects or events that do not exist. Objects or things, that's how you invent things, is, you, is with your imagination. Things that do not exist and are not present or have happened in the past. You see, the imagination and your memory are very connected. In fact, some 
you know, mind, people who understand, you know, doctors who understand minds believe the memory is actually part of the imagination. Okay? Because your memory is just, is, it, it just has information in it. Your imagination brings things to life. Like, for instance, I could say this to you. That bowl of chocolate ice cream I had last night was really good. Okay? Now, here's what can happen to you right then. You probably saw a bowl of chocolate ice cream, right? Most of you did. Okay, now here's another thing about imagination. Imagination is just not pictures. Okay? It, it includes your other senses. It can include taste, feel, sm- uh, you know, smell. So that bowl of ice, chocolate ice cream was really good. Now, how many in this room, when I said that, did you remember what chocolate ice cream tastes like? Right? See, that's your imagination at work with your memory. You see that? You see, everybody in this room has an imagination. Everybody does. We are created with an imagination. Some people's imagination is a whole lot more developed than other people's. Some people are naturally gifted with a very strong imagination. Okay? Uh, All righty. That's important. Uh, That some people, it's not necessarily visual. Your imagination, like I said, you know, you're you're more feel oriented. You're more taste oriented. You're more hearing oriented. And that's, but that's part of your imagination. Now listen, I was, as, as a human being, as a non-Christian, and even as a Christian in my other world, I was very gifted with a, with a strong imagination. Okay, all my life I had a very powerful, powerful imagination. Okay, when I was a child in school, I was a spelling bee champion. I was a spelling, and that people marveled at me because I could spell so good. Now, I can't spell for hood anymore, and it's daggone spell check. It's ruined me. It's destroyed my ability. But you know how I used to, you know how, why I was such a good speller? I was a champion speller? Because I saw the words. I would stand up there, and I would see the words in my mind, and I'd spell them out. Okay? I didn't try to memorize it. I would see it, and what I saw, I would spell, and guess what? I would always win. Okay? I would always win. That thing, you know, grew in me. When I went in my other life, I was an engineer, okay, and I, was, and I, and I had a lot of favor of God on me in, in that career. Uh, but one of the reasons I had the favor of God on me is because could, people could talk to me about clients, could talk to me and tell me what they wanted. My company would take me and put me in front of the clients. I mean, me, just some dumb guy. We, I had people working that graduated from MIT that worked for me. You know, that's insane. MIT is the greatest, best engineer school on the planet. Here they was working for me. These guys that knew more than I even, they'd forgotten more than I ever knew. But what I could do that a lot of people couldn't do is that I could sit in front of the client. They would describe what they want. And when they were describing it, I was building a picture of it in my mind. And then I would take them, I would say back to them what I, that picture and they would say, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we want to do. And I could do that over and over and over. So I was a great conceptual engineer. I could, had concepts. I could see things. But when it came time to actually putting it all together, I wasn't de- details. Like, you hook that there, move, you know, put this right there, make it fit. I couldn't do that very good. In fact, I knew I couldn't. So I got people who could, you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. A lot of people don't know this, but Albert Einstein, okay, Albert Einstein was not the most brilliant student in college, okay? He was not the most brilliant man. His, his, in fact, all his professors were shocked when he became Albert Einstein that we know, okay? And the, but this is what Albert Einstein, he developed his intellect by developing his imagination. This is what he would do. 
Albert Einstein would sit in a chair and imagine himself on a meteor flying through heaven because he was fascinated with, with travel and light and all that stuff in the heavenly realm, the natural heavenly realm. And he would, ima- he would sit in a chair and imagine himself flying on this meteor and looking at what was going on up there. And he would hold in his hand a little uh, marble or rock or something sitting in a chair with a wooden floor under him. And as he would do that, he would get sleepy and start falling asleep. And, you know, when you fall asleep, you relax. The marble would drop it and wake him up, and he would try to remember what he was seeing. And over a period of time, his intellect was highly developed because what? His imagination was highly developed. Do you see what I'm saying? So I'm just telling you parents, you want to make your kids really smart? Teach them how to see. Help them develop their imagination. I knew a man, and I worked with a guy who had a photographic memory. He was a chemical engineer, photographic memory. And he, I, was this mar- I was fascinated with this guy because he could sit in a meeting and he could say stuff. He could quote stuff out of textbooks that he read years ago. And so this, I asked him, I said, well, how does that work? He said, well, in my mind, this is what I see. I see file cabinets. Okay, I, I see all these like a real brown file cabinet, like you know, like we would see in the natural. He said, "So if we're talking about, let, let's say we're talking about the uh, um, the the, the uh, speed of light." Okay, for instance, we're talking about the speed of light in a meeting. He would get, he would look at that thing, and he'd have a file cabinet called speed of light. He would open that file cabinet in his mind, and there'd be a folder in there for the formula of the speed of light and how that formula was developed and. And he would pull that out, and he would see it. He would pull that page out of that textbook. He would see it in his mind, and then he would start saying what he saw. And you'd be sitting there like, God, this guy is brilliant. He wasn't more brilliant than anybody else. He just saw more than anybody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I'm trying to intrigue you. I'm trying to get you to see that the church has thrown away the imagination. We've thrown it away thinking it's just daydreaming and worthless, and that is a false thing. Now, okay, just like I had a very powerful imagination just given to me, that thing also had worked against me, okay? It worked against me because not only does God want our imagination, the devil wants it, okay? And the devil can create a terrible imagination in a person, and, and that also happened to me. He, not, I was able to use that imagination for good, but it's also used for a lot of bad in my life. I created a lot of bad things in my life because of, my, of the negative imagination that I had. Whew. Are y'all all right? Anyways, I don't want to try to teach you about seeing in the spirit world, but I do want to give you this one verse here about uh, what happened. Well, what happened to me was this. I, about 10 years ago, I started praying uh, Ephesians 1.18 that, that God would open the eyes of my understanding. I just started praying that. And that started having an impact on me. Suddenly, my imagination and the spirit, I started, something started getting activated in me. Okay, I started seeing things. I started connecting more, okay, with the spiritual world. Something was happening. I didn't really understand all this. But when the Holy Spirit River came into this church, and I got in it for the first time, it was like, it was like that top fuel dragster. All of a sudden, I was on fire. Everything was, was, went, went exponential on me. I was seeing things, hearing things, feeling things, smelling things, everything. I was, it was like my imagination was just full-blown wide open. In fact, if I told you a lot of what I was feeling here and seeing in this very room, you would call the people, put a straight jacket on him, get him out of here. We don't want him. You know, because it was just so intense what was, was happening. And it, it's almost like it, 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 it just accelerated me into the spirit thing. But this is the thing. Habakkuk 2 1 says, uh, I'll just give you this real quick. I will stand on my guard post, and I'm having to do this because 
I ripped it out of the printer and it printed them two pages halfway. I was standing on my guard post and stationed myself on the rampart, rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. I will watch to see. Did you get that? Now, think about it. Usually if you wait and hear something from God, you're sitting there listening, listening, listening. But Habakkuk was saying, no, I'm going to watch. I'm going to see something, and I'm going to hear God in it. That's what he was saying. So that's a real big secret. All right, y'all got a little bit. I mean, it's, we can stop right now. We can you know, Raise your hand if you want to stop right now. All right, we're going to keep going just for a little bit. All right, Luke 151. I'm going to go fast. This is what it says. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. In the imagination. Same word, dianoa. Okay, you see there's this connection between the heart and the imagination. The imagination is part of the mind, but it's connected to the heart. They're, they're, they have this thing that's happening together with them. But see, you see, you see how pride can get into your imagination. But now let's look at uh, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. This is a verse that's intrigued me for years as a Christian. Because I always thought it was talking about my natural eyeball, okay, of what I looked at. But this is what I discovered. And we've been, I went through all this thing. I, I made a cut of my eyes. Oh, I'm going to look at this, look at that. That doesn't work. And I found that out because I did all that stuff. I'm not going to look at bad things. But it didn't work because, see, I was trying to fix something from the outside. Spiritually, if you're going to fix something in your life, you've got to fix it on the inside first. So Jesus is not talking about what you look at with your eyeballs because there's blind people who can't see nothing naturally. Nothing. And they're just eat up with wickedness on the inside. And there's blind people who can't see nothing naturally that are flourishing on the inside spiritually. So we know it can't mean that. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, you're, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So what he's talking about, the eye of the heart, which is the eye of the imagination. When the Bible talks about the eye of the heart, the Bible's talking about the eye of your dianoia. It's talking about the eye of your imagination. Okay? And if your eye of your imagination has darkness on it, your life is going to have darkness on it. And you're going to produce darkness. If, if the eye of your heart has light on it, your life's going to have light on it, and you're going to produce light. Are y'all following that? And I'll show you. Hang in there. We're going to go fast, okay? That's really important that you see that Jesus was saying, this is how your life's going to go. Your life is going to go according to what you see on the inside. Not what you see on the outside. According to what you see. What your imagination sees, that's going to determine what your life is. This is really good. I'm telling you right now it is. All right, let me give you Isaiah 26.3 right quick. This is one because everybody loves this. This is an Old Testament word, okay? You will keep him in perfect peace. Don't, isn't that what we want? Whose mind, oh, don't we love that? You know what that word mind is? It's the equivalent. It's the Old Testament word for what? Imagination. I will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your imagination on me. If I have your imagination, you'll live your life in perfect peace. Isn't that good? If somebody else has your imagination, you are not going to have perfect peace. Or if you have your imagination. So it's a great key here. If you want to live a life of peace, you need to figure out what you're seeing on the inside. Because that's going to change what you see on the outside. Here's what David said. Marlon mentioned David. I always saw, I saw the Lord always, this is Acts 2.25, 
I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he was at my right hand so that I not, will, will not be shaken. I always saw, I saw the Lord always in my presence. David was not stating that he was having an open vision. David did not always have an open vision. Nobody does. Nobody lives in an open vision all the time. He wasn't saying, I'm literally seeing the Lord. No, here's what he was saying. I see the Lord in my heart, and I, my imagination, I see the Lord. On the inside, I see the Lord. On the outside, I may see hell. But on the inside, I see the Lord. And He's keeping me. He's right here beside me. Y'all, y'all, y'all getting that? That's what he was saying. Okay. And we can go in on how to develop that in another time. Right now, we're just trying to get you, to, get you on board with it. Because there's a way the Bible says how to develop this. But All right, let's look at 1 Peter 1.13. I'm going fast, okay? Uh, we're about done, believe it or not, because we're going so fast. We're leaving about 90% out of it, but that's good. Therefore, this is Peter, therefore, so I think hopefully you're starting to get a little convinced here about the imagination. Like, oh, this is kind of an important thing. I need to be thinking about my imagination. This is sort of important. And then Peter says, well, therefore... I'm jumping in using his word, therefore, everything I said to you, therefore, this is what you've got to do. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up, and that word mind there is what? It's dianoa. Gird up the loins of your imagination. That's what Peter said. This is what you've got to do. You've got to gird it up. You know what gird up means? It means cover it up. That's what he's saying. You've got to cover up your imagination. You've got to protect your imagination because somebody... Somebody is trying to get access to your imagination. And when they get access to it, it's going to mess you up. Because he said, gird up the loins. You know what loins are? Do y'all know what loins are in the Bible when it talks about loins? It's talking about something we don't talk about in public and that we keep hidden from people. It's the human reproductive system. Because whatever goes into your imagination, you are going to produce it. Something is going to get in your imagination. If it's God and you and that, and God are going to have this union together, and something's going to be produced from it. If it's the devil or the world, guess what's going to be produced from you? That. Do you see that? And then, whoa. That's what I got to thinking. Man, this is serious. This is serious because everybody in this room has an imagination. I proved it to you with the chocolate ice cream. Right? So, no matter how old you are, or no matter how young you are in the Lord, you can be the most spiritual person in here. You can be Arthur Burke. Okay? He's a pretty spiritual guy, I think. Or Bob Jones. These people are huge. But guess what they got to do, just like me and you got to do? We got to cover it up. We got to protect, protect it. Because whatever we're seeing on the inside, we're going to produce out here. And it's going to determine the course of our life. You can birth something that's of God, or you can birth something of the world or the flesh of the devil. Okay? just depends on who's hooking up with your imagination. One thing the Lord's shown me recently, he's, this is sort of new revelation he gave me about the mind of Christ. God is not interested in taking your mind out of you. In fact, the Bible says he wants to renew our mind. In other words, what he wants to do is weave his mind into our mind. You know what a weave is? It's like well, there's a thread that runs one way, horizontal, there's a thread that runs vertical, and it makes a piece of cloth. That's how he wants his mind. He weaves it into our mind. And we begin to, and his mind begins to take over. His mind begins to get released. His imaginations get, begin to get released in us. That's what the renewing is, like a weaving of something. Something's being web, weaved, weaved into us. And we begin to gain the access to his mind like that. 
It's not that all of a sudden that we have just one spiritual experience when we get a thought of God. Oh my gosh, I got this thought of God. No, God wants to weave it into us. We're, it's, we're thinking it. And, and one of the ways we're, it's weaving into us is through our imagination. All right, First John 5, 20, and then we're done. Only eight minutes over. We know that this is really good. This will get you if nothing else will get you. We know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know Him, who is true. Ain't that God so good that He's given us an understanding to know Him? I mean, it's a gift from heaven. So people, we can all know the Lord because God's given us an understanding to know Him. He's really given us that ability. It's not something like, well, know the Lord. Well, how am I going to do that? I've got to figure out how to know the Lord. He says, no, I've given you the ability to know me. I've given you understanding. I think that's a grace verse up in there. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is, this is the true God and, and eternal life. Well, guess what that word understanding means? Guess what it means? It means imagination! Can you imagine that? God, well, that's how you know God. You know Him in your imagination. Can you believe that? It blew my mind. imagination and you'll know me isn't that a convincer does that not convince you about imagination does that not convince you that your mind's important that God wants to get a hold of your mind I can tell you about imaginations I can tell you about some bad ones too I've almost destroyed my life through bad imaginations literally I almost destroyed it. I'm talking about since I've been a Christian. You know, I almost destroyed my family over imagination. That's how powerful imagination is. That's why the devil wants it. That's why Peter says you've got to cover it up. You've got to protect it because it'll destroy your life. It'll destroy people around you. It'll consume you. See, God wants to redeem our imaginations. You know? He wants to redeem them. He wants to give you what to look at on the inside. He wants to give you the ability to create things that He's seeing. Have you ever, I was telling this, let me tell you this little Kenneth Copeland story. I heard it years ago. I didn't really get it until this. Kenneth Copeland, he was downtown Fourth Worth doing business. Felt something back there. Kind of an awkward position, so he couldn't, but it was a lump. He couldn't really get to it, you know, to find out what it was. Now, this is Kenneth Copeland now, Mr. Word of Faith, baby. He's feeling that, and in his mind, this thing starts working. Kenneth, that's cancer. That's cancer. You got cancer. He said by the time he got home, he had already had his funeral. He had died, suffered, died, and had a funeral. Saw all the people at his funeral. He gets home, his wife says, it's a chick. He had a tick on his neck, but his imagination buried him in his mind. You see that? Isn't that how our imagination works? God wants to deliver people from that. I wish I'd have caught that then. That was years ago I heard that. I wish I'd have caught what he was saying. I don't even know what he's talking about. I just remembered the story like, dang, he's a tick. 
I hope you got checked for all the other tick diseases, but he didn't seem to be worried about that. All he was saying is, look what we do. And see, the mind of Christ is this. The mind of Christ, see, some of you got sickness on you. I mean, some of you, you know, you, you, you think about, you're gonna, if you had this thought, I'm going to lose everything. Everything I've ever worked for. And he's told me that over and over. Byron, you're going to lose everything. You're going to have to go home and tell Becky you've lost it all. Everything. You're going to have nothing. And I start playing out this thing. I'm talking to her. Figuring out what I'm going to do. Trying to jump. Okay, well, we're going to be all right. It ain't going to be all right when you go tell your wife you've lost everything. They ain't going to be happy to hear that. I promise you it wouldn't be all right in my house. You don't mess with a woman's house, man. When you start messing with her house, you've been crazy. <laughs> See, the enemy comes with those thoughts and wants us to create something in our minds. People get sick and they think the worst. Oh, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to be disabled. I'm never going to be able to work again. You see what I'm saying? And it's all about the imagination. Janet Moore told me one of the things that she does with her students every year. She talks to them about this very thing. She uses other better language than I do. About students, about the power of words and how words create pictures. And she wanted to teach them. I want to teach y'all how to take these words and create pictures with them. They could learn that. Wouldn't that be great for your kids to learn how to do that? Make pictures out of these words. Let's make pictures out of these thoughts that God gives us. Let's remember when the thoughts that come we shouldn't have. Let's get rid of those thoughts. You know what? Fear is irrational. I'm telling you what is around. Here's what it is. Fear. You get in your bed at night. You lay down. And you start thinking about something bad. Right? You're thinking it. And the next thing you know, you're scared to death. Has anybody ever done that? It's your imagination. You're seeing somebody come and get you. You're seeing this. You're seeing that. It's your imagination. It's not really happening. God wants to deliver us. God wants to redeem that part of us. Because here's what He wants. He wants us to live an abundant life. You can't live an abundant life if your imagination is destroying you. Now, this is the truth. If God has given us an understanding to know Him, if He's given us an imagination to know Him, we've got to know that He wants hold of that imagination. We've got to know. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you. I know it's late. I know I spent four minutes yelling and screaming and acting like a fool. We, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> But I want to pray. I want to pray for the minds. And this is what I want to do now. I want to pray. And then I want you, if you are suffering this morning, I, I, if, you have, if you're suffering today with sickness, we want to pray for you. We want to break that imagination off in you, that thing. If you're suffering for needing a breakthrough and, and it ain't happening, we want to help you. We want to help you get money. We, but here's how we want to help you. We want to see God heal you, but we want to see God fix your mind. We want to see God fix your imagination when you can start thinking his thoughts about it. His thoughts. His thoughts. And start imagining His thoughts over your life. About your kids, about your home, about your money, about whatever, about your health. God wants to do that for you. So let's just pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we're thanking you today, Lord, for, for the mind of Christ that you've given, the body of Christ. Lord, and somehow we've not been able to lay hold of that really in a good way, Lord. Lord, we're suffering in our imaginations. We're seeing things we really shouldn't see. We're thinking things we shouldn't think. We've got attitudes. We've got opinions. We've got all that stuff, Lord, but we're confessing it to you today. And we're saying we want to change our mind, Lord, which also means, Lord, we want to change our imagination. And so I'm asking you today for new imaginations. I'm asking you to give us a new imagination. I'm asking for renewed imaginations. I'm asking where there's fear and hopelessness and lostness, 
discouragement, all those things that create such a terrible picture in our life, you'd replace it with your thoughts, with the picture you see of our life, with Jeremiah 29, 11, whatever it is for each one of us, Lord. Lord, I ask you to do that. I ask you to give every one of us that. I ask you to give it to Mary Mead. Mary, lean your head up over here right quick. Lord, just give that to Mary Mead. Mary Mead, thank you for a new imagination. Come here, angel. Lord, we, just give you, we give you a new imagination, angel. All your imagination got messed up when all that happened to you. And that stuff you see, the Lord's saying, I'm going to change all that for you. I'm going to take away that old imagination, that old, the old images. God wants to redeem them. He wants to wash you. He wants to wash you. Wash your mind. Wash your mind. Wash it, Lord. Just wash it right now. That's what the Lord wants to do for all of us. Man, He wants to wash your mind. Okay? He wants to wash your mind. He wants to wash your uh, parents' mind, your parents' mind. He wants to wash our minds. I had a dream. This is what I dreamed. Well, it was a vision. It wasn't a dream. I was at, when I grew up, there were ponds, and we would swim in ponds. We would build docks on them and jump in them. Someone was standing on this dock fixing to jump in. I said, there's scum all over the pond. Ponds get scum on them because there's no outflow. Okay? The Lord said, you know what you're going to do to the Holy Spirit River if there's no outflow? It's going to get scum on it. Because when we go into the river, guess what the river does? It washes us. It's right there in Ephesians 5. He washes us with the Word. There's a river of the Word of God that washes you. You go, and it says washes. It ain't like we're going to take a shower. We're getting in the bathtub full of water. It's going, we're going to go down under. You know how you take your kids and put them under the water? Anybody do that? Water, you know, when they get bigger, you don't do it when they're little. Get them all the way under. That's what God wants to do. But guess what happens? That scum that comes off of us is in the river. Now, the river will take it on out. It'll take it on out. It's supposed to. It's meant to do that. Unless you stop it up. You know what I'm saying? And make it into a pond. And then it gets all that scum. I've seen ponds in the natural. I've seen ponds that have died. Because so much algae and scum got on it, it grew and it took all the oxygen out of the, out of the pond. And the pond was a dead pond. And it had a, had a stench to it. And that's what we can't allow, to ha- how, we can't allow that to happen. Got to let it flow. God wants to wash our minds. Okay? Wash away all those ugly thoughts, all that hurt and all that disappointment. That's how you get connected with the spiritual realm. You know that? Because when you start doing that, His world will open up. That's how you do it. His world starts opening. It's hard for His world to open when I'm full of other negative Im- images. It's real hard. It's hard to see beyond those images. It's every once in a while you get a little glimpse of it, but He's saying, no, I, it's not every once in a while. Honey. You're supposed to live out of that world. And when you're not seeing it, you can just imagine it. There's no me- I, let me just finish here. I could go on. A, there's, I can, cannot tell you countless times when I felt nothing. 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 It was zero. And I began to remember what it felt like when the Lord was moving. I remember how the angels felt when they were there. I remember how the river flowed, felt when it was flowing. And guess what happened? I was back there suddenly. It was activated me because I wasn't seeing all that other stuff. I was starting to see what he'd done. Now, I'm telling you, that's how you do it. You start doing that for your life, your life will change. And then next thing you know, you're just over here screaming and carrying on like a fool. And, you know, I, you know, you're not caring until you get home. And your wife lets you know, yeah, that ain't right. Anybody here need healing this morning? Raise your hand. 
All right, y'all come up here. We're going to change, we're going to, we're going to change your image of your health, okay? Or we're going to give you the opportunity to change it. All right, anybody need a financial breakthrough, career breakthrough kind of thing? Y'all come on. Because we want to get you into that career. Come on up here. Because, see, God wants to change your image. He wants to give you an a, a, a imagination full of light so your life will be full of light. Amen? So y'all come in here, Eric, y'all. We're going to start praying for people. Come on up here and do that song again. Uh, uh, Kevin. Can we do Kevin's song, Andy? Can you do that again, Kevin? Get up here, Kevin. Come on.